Join us and Janeway with our hands in the cockpit today on Boldly Boinking. Hello, 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 loyal listeners. Welcome to another episode of Boldly Boinking. I am our resident stuck in a rocket, Connor Speak. Over here we have our resident Tribble Alexa. Howdy. Vibrating away as always. Just vibrating. Nope. Um, do you know how hard you suck in every time you start this? No, like, I didn't know how hard I suck in. I, I Hello. I was I was unaware of that. I'm, just so much sucking right off the bat. I'm sorry, listeners, that I just immediately go to the sucking right off the bat. Sometimes it's just, you know, it's how I like to introduce myself. It's how I like to get friendly just well, very, very quickly. I mean, on that note, yeah, I we've got a, we've got a new sucker in the Yes, of us. we have an extra special guest. Uh, the other speak, my brother Dylan. Hello, hello. Hello, there he is, there he is. Pleasure to make your acquaintance, everyone. Yep, yep. Mr. Dylan Speak is a, also a Star Trek aficionado. In fact, probably knows much more about it than I do. Well, I spent many lonely nights, uh, after I was returning from the local brothel. I would spend some time with my philosopher roommate, and we would while away the hours listening to Star Trek on two separate pairs of headphones. It made it far more interesting. We weren't allowed to make any noise. Now, what you may not realize is every single word of that is true. As my brother also brings the knowledge of boinking to the table, having been a... Uh, well, I'm a local Montreal sex worker, and I'm very proud to say so. It's, yes, uh, indeed. A, uh, a, I believe they call, it, they call it exotic dancing, and well, amongst other things. What's interesting is that um, the exoticism of the dancing uh, is generally what uh, people come here to find. You yeah, know? of course. Uh, whereas here... Um, everything that uh, that we do in in the clubs in here in Montreal is not exotic to us. It is just the nature of our beautiful city, and I just like to say that. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm very okay. proud of okay. that. Okay, yeah, thanks. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. lay it on thicker, why don't you? <laughs> yeah, you, know. you may be like the most perfect guest for our like niche podcast. Like, like it, it's like the beautiful melding of two of the worlds that we've brought together here. Indeed. It's just lovely. Well, exactly, thank you so much. it works up very I'm well. Excited as well. Yeah. Just to let everyone know, there are no other speaks in Montreal. We're we're the we're the only ones. It's true. You guys really like you know what you need to open, right? What? A, like a speakeasy. Like we had a boat. Uh, we had a boat named name. Speakeasy. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. But yeah, we should do an actual. You one. should you should open a speakeasy. I mean, like you know, it's just right there. I yeah. wish they would ban <laughs> alcohol. There would be a huge <laughs> opening in the market. Yeah, then we could really get in that whole speakeasy thing. Prohibition yeah. for yeah. alcohol. I'm with it. Yeah. <laughs> So, wait, hold on, what do I hear? Before we get started, it's time for another Janeway Bang Watch. Oh, we're coming to this right off the bat. Oh, we're getting, we're we're we we gotta, we gotta keep an eye. Yeah, Um, so this is uh, season one, episode six. Yep, season one, episode six. And? And? There's no banging. No. No banging. Banging. No banging. Nope. Poor Janeway. Yep, the cabin is empty. It's still voyaging alone through space. I can tell you which one it is. I mean, I can tell you the name of it. I don't have the 
synopsis is. Oh, well, no worries. Suffice to say, (laughs) our poor captain is still the only one. She's still the only one at the wheel. She's got to stay strong, you know. You know, the crew, you know, they're all looking up to her. If she started playing favorites, suddenly the Janeway's lovers get next to replicate her rations. Yeah, but she's already she's already playing favorites with Chakotay because he's clearly that's true. He clearly got it in. Yeah, she even has a thing with Tom Paris when he walks out of rooms. You know, you know the scanning. It's definitely there. Yeah, Mm. I think though that that's more of like a like you rascal. Like I think that it's not (laughs) like I want to bang you. It's like a like you like you rascally little brother. Like oh dear. Yeah, (laughs) and apparently Harry Kim is very important to her. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. We established that, and then promptly realized that is not (laughs) Not true true at all. So season one, episode six is called the cloud, and I think that it's one where like they get stuck in a cloud and like it's an organism oh no oh dear see that this is ringing lots of bells yeah yeah i think so there's no banging no banging stuck inside an organism i think that's what this one is if not then there's another one yeah well they're like a kidney stone or something Ooh. yeah yeah so they have to they can only exit through their urethra there's no other way there's no other way okay and it's very painful So today, guys, we have a special treat. We are doing a two-part because we are dealing with one of the movies, in particular, the TNG movie, First Contact. Because, of course, we had to do that. Like, that, yeah. the, that, the title of this one is perfect. The title of this one is yeah. First Contact. First Contact. First Contact. Mm. Always the best. Come it's, uh, for those of you, I'm sure most everyone knows, it's the Borg one. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's a good one. It's definitely better than the later ones they did. That's that's for sure. To me, it'll always be the the, the James Cromwell one. Yeah, the James Cromwell one. Uh, he, it's he, the one with James Cromwell in it. It just reinforced my my total love of every contribution that man has ever made to the Star Trek universe. Uh, has he made other ones? Of course he has. Of course he has. James Cromwell is a prominent politician in some sort of dystopian future society in TNG long before First Contact was ever achieved. Oh, really? Absolutely. Oh, I did not know that. I, now, I, I cannot name you the episode. Uh, but he, he's an unscrupulous man in charge of some sort of genetic modification society. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Only the best of the best, you know, and then oh. there's some sort of discrimination going on. I feel like I just want to sit here for this whole episode and have you guys talk about, like, the obscure actors and, like, either what other movies they were in or, like, what other Star Trek I'll tell yeah. You. yeah, this is this is fantastic. We've discovered I'm a bit of a depository for just actors. You're a depository. Depository. I think you mean a repository. Repository. A no, no, they no. do not deposit <laughs> actors. Depository. <laughs> Please bring actors your actors are depositing things in Connor all the time. Please yes. bring your actors to me, and I will contain them. Repository. <laughs> you but welcome yeah. everyone, right? Suffice to say, I was impressed with James Cromwell. I was impressed with his stature, his, uh, his, and his gravitas, jacket. his his sense of fashion, absolutely. His jacket. Okay, yeah. So the first thing we're going to talk about in this movie is that James Cromwell's jacket is amazing. Phenomenal. It's in this enormous puffy monstrosity. To call it a pimp jacket doesn't do it justice to the fact that it must have been specifically custom made for James Cromwell. Oh, yeah. Because it's so huge, you know? Yeah. Couldn't exist on a normal human being. No. I mean, everyone is rocking that sort of thrift store coat style. It's like a 70s vibe. Yeah, but yeah. he's dialed yeah. it up to 12. He's just like, I'm in. I felt they got a lot of things spookily right. Okay, so for those of you who aren't aware, mm. this, this happens in 2063, right? Yes. 2063? Yeah, 2063. It's eerily accurate in various things. I believe they're right on the money. Yeah. As far as retro fashion styles, no question, right? It's all yeah. just Macklemore all over again. 
Right. To be fair, though, I think also when I was when I was looking at the fashion because of the way that they set it up, that it's a post-apocalyptic, well, not post-apocalyptic, but like post-nuclear war, post-intense destruction. Yeah, yeah. I, and like it's cold, and they're living in the woods. Like a lot of the fat, like the fabrics and the the styles of them would be very warm and very like yep. easy to work in. And it's very true. Yeah, very true. Wait. And I would love to be wrapped up in his jacket. Like I would just love to burrow mm. into that. There's room for two in that jacket. You know, for sure, <laughs> for sure. Just enveloped, being enveloped in it. But suffice to say, poor James Cromwell, though, as far as I understand it, he has a thing going on with uh, with his assistant, with his left-hand woman. Um, you the know, lady that gets JLP beamed aboard. Kind of like... I don't think so. Does he not? I they mean, hold they, hands they have at the end. Various hand-holding yeah, moments. They hold hands at the end because it's an emotional moment. I don't think it's because they Maybe have... that's the, the first time they've been able to touch. I mean, dude, if down. he has a th- if he has a thing with it, he's definitely within two minutes of her going someone else trying to bang Deanna. So okay. I don't know if he's that concerned. I secretly also hope that maybe him and Riker banged because <laughs> they seemed like they had a really good rapport. Well, Riker looked up to him, you know, and, yeah. it's, and the thing with a man like Riker, it's difficult for Riker to feel that subordinate feeling, yeah. you know, that subspace, yeah. right? That's kind of, you know, when you get into that space, it's really good. But people who have never been able to get there don't know what it's like. Yeah. right? And, you know, Riker might never have experienced subspace before. Uh, but when he meets, you know, Cochrane, I mean, come on, you know, inventor of warp drive, handsome, yeah. taller than him. Cochrane. Owner of a fantastic jacket. Yeah, yeah. God knows how many times he's even seen a person taller than him. This is exactly. Riker we're talking about. Yeah. I mean, no. Jesus. So, to get back, our film starts with our man, the captain, Monsieur Jean-Luc, having a series of interlocking nightmares involving mm. the Borg. A few mm-hmm. bondage dreams yeah. involving uh, a fusion reactor. Fusion reactor, was... and then a drill going into his eye. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he wakes up from that, looks in the mirror, and Borg stuff starts erupting out of his face. And then he wakes up from that, the classic double wake up. Oh, my mm-hmm. God. Yep. And he wakes up to, of course, discover that the Borg have, in fact, invaded. I know. The Borg. Yeah. The Borg are coming. Mm-hmm. They have arrived. And our heroes at Starfleet's first reaction is to send the Enterprise to the neutral zone. Because they don't trust our man Jean-Luc, because he's been compromised. They they had him. I mean, a... that's kind of accurate. He yeah, he's like very Harry and Voldemort, like we were talking about. Thank yeah. you. I've, I've always held the position that Jean Luc Picard has actually been compromised by alien intelligences a surprising number of times. Now, of course, obviously Wolf three five nine that was one thing. Borg assimilation can't blame them. Yeah, man, it's not right? really his fault. I get it, but it happened, right? No, yeah. and then not only that, I swear there are several other instances that uh, a bit of you know investigation will have to you know dig up where Jean-Luc Picard is less than trustworthy when it comes to controlling his own free will in the face of, uh, you know, yes. temptation. For example, the dopamine game. Yep. Jean-Luc Picard was in no way immune to the dopamine no, game. No, but no one was immune to the dopamine Wesley game. was. His strength of character was sufficient, and he never... No, he never, he never played it. Because he never said yes to drugs. Whereas, Which one you know, is it? Is it the one where they all are high on MDMA and fuck? No, no this, that's a different one. No, it's it's this game. It's this computer game. Oh, it's a okay. game. Okay, Riker okay. picks it up on Risa, right? All the oh, sexy course, shits on course. Risa, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah. what it does is it's sort of like it, you play some sort of silly game with your alpha waves. You try to generate alpha waves to put a thing into a cup. The thing is, if you do so and you succeed, you get this massive dopamine injection, right? Oh. And it creates this crazy addictive feedback loop for everybody. It's super sexy. Everyone's O face as they like mm. play it, you know? Like you just mm. get one O face after another for the entire crew. But West Wesley saves the day because yeah. he's Wesley. There's some great O faces in this movie. Mm. Also, there are. There are. Ooh, oh. Yeah. So yeah. like we we I think that we should we'll get to later. Yeah, yeah. But there are some great O faces. There are some fantastic. Absolutely. But I'm sorry. In this particular instance, though, you are completely wrong. As without Picard, Picard obliterates the Borg. If he wasn't there, they would have all lost and everyone would have died. 
Well, I don't know about that. I mean, uh, but he also got very like he he wasn't objective. Like this wasn't an instance of, of Picard not. being but like objective and but emotionally stable and like it's not completely his, detached. It's not his fault they decided to go back in time. He blows up the ship, which is what they're trying to do. This is true. Yeah, yeah. but but I'll, like. I, I, if I he didn't I, blow up the ship, they still all would have died. No, I know, but I think you're 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 conflating him getting lucky and saving the day with being like, completely like unfazed. Well, by... except that it's not luck, is it? He knows exactly where to Look, shoot the thing. He gets... Oh no, no, yeah, but I, I'm sorry. Yes, his with a cube, co- yes, but the like the whole trajectory of this app, this movie is more. Yes, he's compromised emotionally, but they are worried that he's compromised in terms of them controlling him. And this is not the case. They are controlling him, but like he, they're communicating well, the, to a certain extent. The very fact that he can see into the collective intelligence sufficiently to know the amount of administration he did to destroy that cube is a cause for suspicion. Mm-hmm. Because that implies some kind of direct back and forth link of some kind. They got lucky. Yeah. I mean, how do we know that the Borg cube wasn't aware of Starfleet's plans had they included him in them from the beginning? Maybe they would have lost precious time. Yeah. Well, except that, it, again, the implication is that the Borg don't care about Starfleet. And also, we, didn't we talk about how... They just fly straight there, and anything that runs into them gets blown up. There is no plan. They Maybe... just arrive. They would have had their shield modulations, or something. Maybe you know, the Borg knows? was playing like a really, really long game in like, sending the one drone off the ship to get buried in the snow in Antarctica, only to come back three series later. It and... could only ever have been this way. The exactly. Borg won. They... The Borg won. Yeah. yeah. They, they had this all planned out, and they just fooled us into thinking that they... Yeah, it was all a very, very deep game. Also, I like how we just threw that out without any explanation of what that theory is. That's okay. So, we'll yeah. get back we'll to get that. We'll get to it. Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, so, yeah. We're exploring neutral zone. It's clearly bullshit. Everyone on the Enterprise knows it's bullshit. But they have great hair this time. They all have... They, except every, Riker. Everyone except Riker is looking... Riker's still looking okay. His hair is suspect. So the thing is, Riker is looking good because he always looks good, but his hair looks bad. And yep. everyone else looks like they've improved in yeah. hair and just like general... Yeah, everyone's looking pretty fly. Marina yeah. Sirtis, if I might add, has even more impressive facial bones yeah. than she previously did. I don't know how yeah. that happens. I don't know why how that could... I think uh, it might be better quality uh, cameras. Yeah, we're I just think... truly appreciating the yeah, work we, of art we, that we is were, Marina Sirtis' we were, we were we're also and watching Crusher, it, we were also watching it in HD, which... Yeah. Oh, my God. HD, that's, Marina. Yeah. That's why. This is what I've been missing. We were watching it in HD but before can that. can we just talk about how hot Crusher is? She yeah. does not she, get enough she was, credit. She, she was flying some seriously nice hair in this one, too. She was and just like, face yeah. and body. Yeah. Like, yeah. just... just she's a, she's yeah, a well, babe. you know, there's a reason Picard's always got the, like... Whoa, yes, well, you know, speaking mm. of good bods... Yeah. Oh, man. Picard is looking fine in this. Seconded, tripled. Jean-Luc got his fucking chest presses in this year. He is the looking, bicep shot. He's I mean, looking yeah. powerful. The money shot at the end. Yeah, yeah. the wife. Be- yeah, yeah. So oh everyone's God. looking very, very yeah. nice. And of course, the Borg arrive. We tune in. Everyone's getting their shit completely mixed. The Borg Queen is also very attractive. They make her very. Everyone is just attractive. Glistening. Glistening. Like... I found her androgynously attractive. I understand she has enormous memories, but like you know. Well, they're not I... enormous. Well, you know, they're there and they're very much unnecessarily there. Oh yeah, they're, yeah. They're, as we they're very, but they're. It's not that they're enormous. It's that they're they're highlighted. Right. Exactly. There's yeah. focus on these. Yeah. But despite those, I believe that her, her general build and her face, so this sort of alien supermodel face you know mm-hmm. like, come well that, it's very much could be a little twinkie boy the at the actress same time. alice kriegs is a very like unique looking mm. lady i can imagine she's she reminds cool me of the lady. woman from diane word yeah a little mm-hmm. bit yeah. yeah 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 she's got that kind well, of thing um i mean also the the makeup and stuff of in the, of the borg is more similar to the lady from diane Wood as You're, well yeah, yeah pulling back the face into and, that kind and of and like, like just but yeah like and... pale and 
Yeah. Very yeah. true. Very yeah. true. Yeah. So, so, yeah. I had a kind of like a boy thing with her too at the same time. Just saying, the Ripley abs is what first suggested it, and then I started looking for it. Well, but I mean, also like oftentimes the Borg, everyone becomes a bit androgynous because mm. they all look the, the rest same. Of them the, hair and the rest of them, it doesn't the doesn't matter at all. The yeah. hair is gone, and they're all wearing like some sort of suit that looks fairly similar. No one else gets sexy memory implant things. Seven no one else. Does. No one. Seven. As a Borg. Yeah. Oh, really? No, she does, yeah. Wow. She's got more practical stuff on her, doesn't she? Like, really? Yeah, she's more practical as a boy. I don't, I don't she... remember No, but she has, they, their boobs are highlighted. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. Fair Maybe just... not in the first episode, but she, like, there's episodes in the later season where she's also represented as a Borg, mm. and it's always, because you can't have a scene with Seven of Nine without, like, showing boobs. the whole thing. Gotta Smacking people across the face with, this lady's really pretty. They got, yeah. look at those boobs. Look at the boobs. Dude, I mean, Voyager... <laughs> <laughs> Voyager did very well for itself, and to what extent that is uh, that you know? Well, they brought her on for a reason. The you know, ratings weren't doing too well, and they were like, "What if we?" People put in talk a about lady? anime and the fan service, but I mean, you know, there's. You know. I have such strong feelings. Here. <laughs> yeah. I know, I know. This I have is such a... strong feelings because uh, I love early season Voyager. I love, I, I love it to the end, but like, I love the first season. I really like what they were doing. I really like the Janeway and Cachote. Cachote. I think that would have been really interesting had they played that out. They Kess lost was a lot under, of storylines. Yeah. But Kess was underutilized. Um, like, there's just so many things that they were doing in the first seasons. And then it, it's like they hit this they thing. They drop a lot of it. Yeah. And then they're like, Seven of Nine. Everything has to be about Seven of Nine and the Doctor. Yeah. And like, full body shots of Seven of Nine walking everywhere. And she's a fantastic <laughs> actress. Yep. Her storylines are great. She Like, nothing against her, but the writers mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. like had a one track mind. Absolutely. It's, yeah. Yeah. Fan exploitation. Yeah. yeah. So, but moving on, you know, the Borg, back <laughs> in time. So, uh, well, no, so we show up. The, the battle, we, we cut to the battle near Earth. The battle is not going well. Very importantly, Adam yep. Scott. Adam we, Scott. We okay. think. We, uh, oh, we right. cut to the Defiant, in which, which has been wrecked, and yeah. Worf climbs out and declares it is a good day to die because he's fucking Worf. Mm-hmm. And then his helmsman appears to be Adam Scott, yeah. or if not, someone who looks and sounds Very remarkably like, like him. Yeah. He doesn't make it, though, as far as we can tell. No, they beam all the surviving crew members off. We never see him again. Yeah. No, we it. never see him again. But uh, Worf, being Worf, is like, well, let's ram that son of a bitch. Oh, yeah. And ramming then, speed. I ramming love speed. That. Yeah, let's go to love ramming that. speed. As the latest Star Wars movie has shown us, he should pull the light speed maneuver right oh, through. Boom. Well, I like that Star Trek has the awareness, the self-awareness to create an internally consistent sort of method where, yeah, people ram things all the time. Well, you except, know, just except no, not ram things all the time, because if that was the case, you could have just had one ship ram its way through the Death Star well, and look, be good. I think, I think Worf knew that he wasn't actually going to blow up the ship. You know? No, I think but he's just going to fuck it up. He's going to do like. a Klingon thing. You know? But yeah. instead, the Enterprise shows up, Picard takes command, he knows exactly where to shoot the fucking thing, and yeah. they shoot it, and the ship blows up, and the Borg immediately cut to plan B, where we discover the Borg can travel through time whenever they feel like it. So just like a before we get to the time traveling yeah. thing, um, <laughs> I just, I don't understand. I mean, I know we talked about this, but like, yeah. I don't understand why there was one cube and only one cube. And then I also don't understand, like they're, the, the, the Starfleet yeah. fleet, when they show up, looks so pathetic. <laughs> Especially when you throw an Enterprise, because Enterprise is so much bigger than anything else that that is left. Okay, so this is what's left. At after... the time, D- yeah, Dylan posited an interesting thing, which yeah. is this battle has been going on for a while. If you follow the Borg ethos of maximum efficiency, they would have targeted the most powerful ships first and destroyed them first. But wouldn't you see their like debris? And well, they've been, f- they've been, been, moved, they've been they've, moving. They've at been a moving. Pace. The, they've been moving at a constant mm. pace, yeah. right? So any debris could be like. 
like hundreds of millions of kilometers mm-hmm. and back I mean, as soon as something blows up. Neutral zone to Earth, warp 9.9. You're looking at, you know, 12 hours Can you hours fight while so. in warp? Uh, no, no, absolutely not. It has been tried to disastrous consequences. Yeah. Uh, absolutely can't fire phasers. Well, then, so then... the warp bubble. But then they must have stopped to fight then, is well, my the, point. No, they're still... They're not moving at warp speed, but, but they're, they're still moving... through the moving, solar system. They're still oh, they're moving, moving at relativistic, incredibly mm-hmm. fast speeds. They were interdicted somewhere at the outside of the solar system around the Oort cloud, is, there, I guess, the presumption. And they've okay. been moving in an impulse drive ever since. Oh, okay. So while you're so absolutely right, there's yeah. lots of wreckage probably from here to Saturn, you know, but like, uh, at that moment... I guess moment, that makes more sense. It just... It seemed weird because like when enterprise shows up they're so much bigger than any of the other starfleet ships well, yeah, that are still around they're they're i mean the enterprise is the capital ship of the fleet it's the biggest ship they have but also yeah it's a, a lot of ships have already been lost they're probably targeting the biggest ships first and just blowing the hell out of those one would imagine. yes that makes sense yeah and they only send one thing again it's it's the attempt to portray them as like a machine logic thing like this is the absolute minimum we think will succeed and we send that so again we we kind of got into this yeah earlier. we got into this earlier. just to clarify we keep referring to the doc we we got together and we watched the movie together yes so there was just some discussion so this just means folks you are in for a treat we are very prepared yeah <laughs> um it'll be top quality stuff that we're talking about um maybe no double dicking but hopefully something equally uh, as fun yeah we'll get there um, uh, so the, this is the thing from our discussions, there seems to be a contradiction, like a contradiction in that logic. So that yep. if they were confident enough that they only sent one cube back, then they immediately switch and, and pull a move that's deeply insecure in their position well, by going back in time they, to destroy they only that, pull that, that position. They, they right. only pull that move when option A is no longer tenable. But either, but but either they're, either they're confident or they're insecure. I just... I mean, the way I see it is that um, I just don't understand why. Okay, so you're going back. You're you're a Borg. You got nanotechnology, right? Yep. I, if I put two little probes in your neck, you're going to be a Borg within 15 seconds. You know, mm-hmm. like no problem. So why don't just why don't you just take the Borg cube? Okay, so so you shoot photon torpedoes at Cochrane's ship and you destroy history because this, of course, is their plan. They're going to yep. destroy human history by destroying warp drive in its infancy. So they fire at Jones Cochrane's ship. Why not just beam a Borg into New York City? One board, yeah. yeah, into New yeah. York, you know. And you're right. It, they're going to affect someone before they get shot down. You're right. It doesn't make any sense. It, I mean, but from a narrative, yeah, from a narrative perspective, because then the Borg already win. But but, but, but the narrative though is flawed in this contradiction. Yes. That's the problem. Well, you know, and then, and this is why, in order to salvage the narrative integrity, I would say that it's because they actually lack confidence. Is because they do not believe that they would actually succeed in assimilating, you know, 2060s Earth. Well, I mean, So then okay. they only sent one so cube because they didn't think... To do a limited they... mission. To do oh. a limited... To destroy the warp drive, and then they're good. So the well, whole plan the whole mission. time was time travel. Let's think about... let's. Uh, well, not... T- the plan A was to attack Earth and do it, but if that didn't work out, then switch to plan, switch to plan B, right? Switch to the time travel element. Once plan... Have backup plans. It's not all one plan. It's That's have true. a backup plan. A lot of contingencies. Plan A doesn't here, yeah. go, go with right. plan B. But... And, you know, the more you say it, you're right. You say, to beam one Borg in New York City. Okay, so post-war, we know how many guns are in the planet they right now. They get wrecked Post- by bullets. Po- they get wrecked by bullets. You're right. But you would, so- you would infect someone first. You would infect Yes, but for- even if you've got like 10, 15 people, you could- you've got a couple dudes with machine guns. This is post-war. Everyone's probably got weapons. How long are they actually going to last as opposed to just carpet bombing the entire place yeah. and the whole thing goes down? There's an absolutely like markable, you know, relevant scene here in which, you know, Pat... Patrick Picard Stewart. goes, gets a Tommy gun, and guns yeah. two of them down. Destroys them, you know? Doesn't take long. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, no, they're more built to handle 24th century weapons because they can deal with like energy modulation. Haven't encountered a like kinetic that. weapon for, for a thousand years. Yeah, so yeah. they don't have any real defense against. Certainly not against an entire planet of people loaded with kinetic weapons. They have. There you go. <laughs> yes, I, I don't disagree with any of this. I still don't think that this solves the, <laughs> the problem of like the logic of why they show up in the first. It feels a lot like it feels a lot like the writers just treated the Borg as if like as they could mold their motivation to fit whatever direction they wanted the narrative to go to rather than having like a distinct like reason for being there in the first place. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I think I mean the thing is the Borg play with they there's always the omnipotent they always play, problem. They play the hand well, they're dealt. So this comes this comes into whether they have emotions or not, which we also mm, discussed earlier. Right. Yeah, is yeah. like yeah, which the well, emotions the, do come into play later on in this this the, movie. The queen is commensurate with the Borg. You know, the queen is the Borg. There is no differentiation. You know, there is no distinction. And the queen has emotions. Yeah, but therefore by any reasonable definition the Borg have emotions. But they but the individual drones do not count as in, in, individuals. They contribute the Borg, to the collective consciousness. Yes, they are a part but, of the collective but, consciousness. So maybe the entirety of the Borg, mm -hmm. in a gestalt way, might lack confidence in a particular thing. But there's no one, no one individual Borg is going to give a shit. So it's like an wait. ant. It's like an ant hive. An ant hive might react to a danger and be concerned about a particular like invasion from another hive. But the individual soldiers are still going to go and die without caring. Ants don't have a collective consciousness, though. Ants well, only they have a hierarchy. Of, they, they have a hierarchy. Of, they don't have a. They don't well, have a. Well, they don't have a consciousness. Ants don't have consciousness. No, but it's argued line. about how much. Like how much they operate as a gestalt consciousness, is it not? Absolutely. Well, you could talk about the organism having a consciousness of its. Uh, that, sorry, I should say the colony having a consciousness of its own. However, yes. the individual ants. I mean, you know. well, the the Borg is a somewhat similar thing. The their each drone's individual consciousness becomes the colony, but they don't retain it. So within okay. themselves. So and my problem with stop doing that. <laughs> <Your> <laughs> <laughs> so okay. My my biggest problem with this, and spoiler, 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 yep. that then your logic then means that, uh, uh, your logic means yep. that the entire collective wanted to bone Data. Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. I mean, yes, yes that's an interesting point. That is totally reasonable. And, and then also in the past wanted to bang Jean-Luc when she was coming after Jean-Luc. Also 100% reasonable. And then, also 100% reasonable. And then I in see the no future, problem with this. And then in the future wanted treat Seven like a daughter. The Can entire just collective. imagine the gangbang? Just <laughs> all the bits? All the metal there, you have to account there, for? There has <sighs> to be a porn version of that. Oh, I'm sure there, there is There has somewhere. to be a porn ha version. Having had some experience navigating even a small amount of metal piercings through genital areas, I can only imagine cybernetic implants. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, you've but got multiple they... <laughs> vectors at the same time. And... But, like, maybe they're just really good with their... Metal implant. They know they're, how to. Yeah, I mean. Well, they they're probably modular. You can quite switch the implant. Do you think the Borgs you... ever have sex? No. Nah, um. Well, no, no. If they do they reproduce, have yes, but it's a hundred percent going to be artificial okay. insemination. They obviously oh. don't have it for reproduction. However, there's definitely room here for speculation due to the Borg Queen's tactics for seducing data. Yeah. But you'll notice if she was having yes, but I think the Borg Queen is projecting that onto other. I mean. As you say, if she's absorbed the distinctiveness of everything, she knows about. Yeah, she knows what sex is, even if she, she has no interest. She knows what sex but, is. But so data has data knows what sex is too, and bangs 
when he doesn't have his emotional tri- chip. Mm-hmm. But only at the order of a fellow crewmate. I don't think he pursues it independently. No, but I just mean though that like he knows what it is. It doesn't mean that he wants to do it or he has the like urge. Yeah, to do I don't it. think the queen. So just has because the... the queen knows what sex is mm. doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean she needs, mean she needs to do no, it. No, but she also understands how it can be used. Do you right? think this is? I'm just gonna throw this out there. Do you think that at any point the writers were trying to portray a certain like? kind of asexuality with any of these characters i know that like it's it's deeply flawed if they did because they all ultimately end up Mm. they never portray asexuality any more than just like a barrier to be broken through sufficient seductive power you know i don't know because i think you could easily read it with the queen it's difficult because you could easily read it as every single thing she's doing she's just doing because that's like a protocol she knows might work on a male organism with emotions, have like they, with data. Have they ever had an alien that's asexual? Uh, they've had like accurately portrayed asexuality. They've had, they've they, had, they've uh, had uh, aliens that were that were uh, gender neutral, mm-hmm. that were neither right or not asexual. No, but that's not a. They have not had an a. Well, I mean, they've had lots of aliens that have had actually no mention well, of sex whatsoever. No, but they seem to imply a lot of aliens that like have a like a certain repressed sexuality but there's always like a caveat that like at some point they have like a they have so, like, like, so, like the, cycles like the vulcans right yeah. the vulcans are very repressed but then they have like this mating ritual where they essentially like finally let go yeah so it seems like they they tend Rome's to portray spring. yeah they tend to portray things as in like a re- like if there's a lack of sexuality it's like a repressed sexuality into like a certain caveat that like you're right like it's like a barrier that has to be broken through Hmm. I believe that there's a few. Well, I mean, certainly I mean, the triples. I guess, I guess the whole idea. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, triples reproduce. So the whole well, yeah, I, but uh, through osmosis sus- or something, right? I suspected it was much like bunnies. Oh yeah. And, and as yeah. a as a triple, I don't know. You, as a as the resident triple of this podcast, I apologize. I, I'm I'm treading on your culture. This is a pre- yeah. We there's a lot of vibration and some mm. rubbing, and then my apologies. Babies pop out. I didn't mean to make That's, assumptions about this. Triple. Is our this is our version of the birds and the bees. Yeah. When when a, one triple likes another triple, they come together, and there's some rubbing and vibration, and then later a baby pops out. When or one triple when one triple vibrates against another triple, yeah. that must cause secondary vibrations amongst other nearby. By tribbles. Uh, they did... have they have to separate themselves from the others unless they specifically want to have an orgy uh, section. Well, I guess because Sex- they have geometric. Uh... <laughs> I don't know what section came in. <laughs> they they yeah. reproduce at a geometric rate, right? Like an exponential rate. So yeah. it makes sense that they're all fucking each other simultaneously all the time. I mean, maybe maybe it's just like a giant fuck puddle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, anyway. <laughs> a giant hairy a ball. Giant I didn't mean puddle. to imply that your <laughs> home. Oh. Was a giant fuck puddle. Listen, I've, I've, from, I'm, 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 uh. <laughs> <laughs> listen, I'm, I'm like the one triple in the family that like uh, learned yeah. to talk and went to school. So like, I might not be an accurate depiction of exactly all triples. Not representative yeah. of the entire And okay, maybe like I population. left home before all of the uh, fuck puddles started happening. It makes happening. sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. Identity's complicated. I'm thinking about going home soon. So maybe like I'll go home and I'll tell, I'll let you know. I'll, I'll report back. A field report. I like yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Field report. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On triple sex. Yeah. It's time to find that out. Where, so where are we? we? Well, I think what we did is we, we we left the feasibility of the Borg plan. Okay, uh, whether the Borg plan reveals a lack of confidence, fear yeah. of the humans, perhaps, is being revealed in yeah. their planning. Um, but uh, so let's but, get to what their plan actually, Plan B actually is. We oh, yeah. we detonate we detonate the cube and the Borg just say, "Well, fuck that. We'll just go back in time," which is an impressive Plan B to be able to just pull out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. The Enterprise dives in. They witness the Earth. 
We're sorry. Um, my brother here is having difficulty navigating the ins and outs of recording. There's a lot of complicated pieces that are attached to me in different ways. And when I do when I do what comes naturally to me, they fall off. Yeah. It's, Anyways, uh, it's, it's, it's very amusing to watch. Anyway, my apologies. Um, so we witness what the stakes are because the entire Earth goes Borg. That is the consequences of the Borg going back in the past. Nine billion. Nine billion yeah, Borg. But time travel. But time like that, travel. That, that we, we skipped well, over like a... You said it earlier, but you skipped over like a big yeah. plot point in what's happening yeah. right now is time travel. Yeah, Borgs go back in time. The, the Borgs sphere bust out is the going... Sphere yeah. does, does, they, and the Enterprise is very blasé about it. They're like, you know, they're generating quantum chronometric readings. They're going tachyons back to... Tachyons is the official... Tachyons, of course. The official time travel It's like, well, then we should jargon. follow them. And never once is anyone like, wait a minute, since when can the board do that? Mm-hmm. There's Time travel is is not really addressed as an incredulous thing at any point in this no. movie. Like, it's just like, oh, yeah, they can time travel. And yeah. then... Later and on. it's just yeah, and you, you would think that. Why don't you just give up there? It's like so my enemy can time travel. Ramifications. We're doomed, you know. Also, yeah. why didn't the sphere like before when when the Enterprise came back or came through and started attacking them? Why didn't they just time travel further? Like they could have just exactly. infinitely. They I lost know. this encounter. Why not do it again? Yeah. Probably it's you know it takes a lot of energy from the reactor. That's right? true. That's true. It they didn't have ta- a they didn't have a warp core of their own. That's they true. Yeah, it doesn't, yeah, exactly. It was just a one shot sort of. It was a one shot like second fire and forget. See what happens. That's true. Enterprise follows them through. The Borg are bombing somewhere in the United States, and it's apparently very significant. Of to course, you. America makes warp drive. What, yeah. a, what a what a well, it's because America. I don't think well, you guys. I don't know Ameri- if you guys caught no, this. No, no. no. You know why? Because America still has all the fucking nuclear missile silos and all the nuclear missiles. Why didn't Kazakhstan make the warp there's drive? A ton because of, Kazakhstan... There's a ton of nuclear missile silos in other places in the, the world. The only Precisely. other place is Russia. No, there's other places. Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan. Yes, but they gave up all their nuclear oh, missiles yeah. and sent them back to Russia. Oh, they, that's what they say. You know, that's, <laughs> that's what they say. That's what they say. That's what they did. <laughs> <laughs> um, But also, though, like, yeah. Star Trek, this is... Star Trek, everything is based around the U.S. The U.S. is it both, is. and then when the when you expand it further, everything is always based on human, like Earth time, Earth year, like everything is is built yeah. upon the conceptions of how life works and how reality works of Earth people. Yeah, it's True. like it's a very American and then like projected well, out side of the planet. Gene Roddenberry, I mean, the man is a visionary and he was really trying to see something, the best of what his country and his culture had to offer. Yeah, him, he know? didn't know trying what to, it would Trying to extrapolate into it into the best possible version yeah, of himself and his, it, and his country, you know? But he also, like, there's... <laughs> as best he could do, you know? Yeah, no, 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 he, yes, that's, that's accurate. But also there's like a long history of the Americans being like, in the future, we'll be the only people to do anything of note. Of course. And Which everything of note will come... That has very much changed. Every time you see sci- sci-fi nowadays, if it's not Japanese, it's Chinese. Oh, yeah, that's you know, true. Yeah, no, that's clearly yeah. obvious. Or, or Korean. Of course. Of, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Obviously, now yeah. that's completely different. East English languages are like the definitive the sci-fi. Yeah. Well, Firefly was really the first one that busted that all out, right? right like right. with their uh, Chinese being the other predominant culture. A worthwhile and, change. Well, and like a yeah. lot of things are actually said in Chinese and things like that. That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, so, yeah, but we see why it was a plan or not see why it was the plan B, but the Enterprise follows them through and obliterates the sphere in one shot. Just like no problem. Boom. Again, sphere is gone. Surprising effectiveness. And yeah, yeah. you know, whatever. It yeah, worked. Yeah. Good. Obliterates the sphere. And they're like, OK, problem solved. What the hell were they doing? Oh, they were bombing the dude who's going to invent warp drive and they were bombing his ship to stop first contact so that humans are sitting ducks. That's the plan. It's like, OK. 
That seems a bit convoluted, but whatever. They've also got a secondary plan, which is infect the Enterprise. Oh, but we don't know about this. Uh The Enterprise uh blows up the sphere and goes, okay, all good, no problem. Let's beam down, fix the shit we can, and like fix the fuck back to, and then go back to the future. You know, Marty McFly that shit out of Dodge, get it going, no problem. Make sure the parents bang, we're all good, end of story. So. So before we get on to the Borg's uh, yeah. penetrating uh, enterprise, um, we I would really like to take some time to talk about um, uh, JLP's stroking his rocket and the the oh, yeah. deep okay. mo- just the, like touch change yeah. your your perception <laughs> of the Falcon yeah. or the Phoenix. Sorry, just, the Phoenix. They're just stroking mm. the rocket. Yeah, we beam down to see witness the devastation. There's a lot, and uh, Data and Picard find well no. Just before that, Data and Picard walk in, and someone immediately starts shooting them, mm. and we discover that Data is bulletproof. Oh, well, I mean, this is probably assumed. Yeah, you know? Data jumps down and incapacitates her because she empties, like, a whole cliff into him, and he just says greetings like a dunce. What I and- like is that, you know, people show up from the future, you know, and they're not doing anything even remotely threatening um, at the moment when they're shot at. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and, you know, here they are in, you know, uh, Springfield, USA, wherever this is, you know, and they, they sort of show up. It's like, I'm sorry, please don't shoot at us. We're here to help you. Her immediate reaction is bullshit and to open fire again. Yeah. Now, I mean, if that isn't an accurate representation. (laughs) But they also just got fired on. They just got fired on from space and have just come through the third world war. And then she also talks about factions and like which faction are you. So, I mean, I think that's a kind of. It's sort of explained a little bit. It's not like she's ever seen. It's a small town. She's never seen these people before. Who the fuck are they? You know, you know, you know, when people show up in suits, you know, and they start talking official talk, you know, like my first reaction isn't to shoot them. Uh, yes, but you I haven't been be, through you know, the third world war, Dylan. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I can't extrapolate that yeah. far. And so they beam this lady up. Important plot point. She needs medical attention and we beam her up to the yes. ship. And then, and, and then we, then get to the we start data and Picard take a look at the ship and we start we start stroking the ship. The very very phallic ship the full-on the nuclear missile phoenix so it's something that jlp is very excited about because yep. it was like a childhood dream to touch it yeah. um mm-hmm. and data's very inquisitive they, about they, the act of touching there's some jokes that there's so many jokes that can be made right yeah. now about yeah as a, as a child he wanted to touch he it he wanted to touch it he saw it many times at the smithsonian it was so always he never a childhood got, he never tried the dream but he never got to touch it yeah. but the question is is does touching it does the tactile interaction change his feelings about I, the ship i believe he says no right i believe no, he, picard says absolutely makes it oh, more real says, makes oh, it makes it more real and then i'm getting imperfections i'm getting i'm getting subtle carbonization you know yeah and Data just doesn't get it. Doesn't, doesn't make it any more real to me. And then the lovely Troy comes in and says, do, do we need to, to leave the three of you alone? Of you, yeah. alone? you want to get a room over there, boys, as mm. you pet this giant throbbing and spaceship? This, this might get tossed off as as casual joke, but this is Marina Sirtis. This is Troy. She knows what they're thinking. You know, she oh, does. yeah, that's true. Well, she knows yeah. what Picard's thinking. Absolutely. She doesn't yeah. know what Data's thinking. Right, she fine. can't empathic Data. But Data's clearly following his Data's lead. Data's following so. his lead. Data's like the kid who's like, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. well, not the kid, but you know what I mean. That's, uh, you shouldn't throw a kid in this scene because that's, that's really disturbing well, image. Data. That, like, how J- old is Data, though? How no, old is Data? Like, how many years has Data been operational? Is no, he... I just mean that, like, if you set it up as, like, Jean-Luc and a child are stroking a rocket together, mm. that's a problematic D- 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 image. That would be adorable. Data's that would be adorable. Act- Data's not an actual child, but he the his his demeanor is that of a... Well, 
Okay, so suffice to say, despite after some 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 phallic interactions, some heavy petting with the phallic rocket, with the rocket, uh, we leave. Well, okay, so what happens is that there's some problems in engineering, and we get a full-on alien scene. The oh my des- God, the ducts. Yeah, with the mm-hmm. designers. So it turns out the designers of ships in the Federation never fucking watched Alien, and they're like, you know what we need? We need ducts. It's like how you know. No, no ducks. Ducks Sorry. never work out. They're technically called Jeffrey's tubes. Yes. Okay. Whatever. Jeffrey's They're motherfucking tubes. ducks. <laughs> Either way. And sure enough, these the poor two people Named from engineering. Named after Jeffrey who got eaten by some <laughs> alien yeah. Jeff, sometime. Poor Jeffrey who got <laughs> munched by a fucking space monster. <laughs> And they're like, let's honor Jeffrey with the tube that he got eaten in. But we send two red shirts, even though they're not wearing red shirts, into the ducts. And sure enough, they both get absolutely obliterated by sneaky fucking Borg. Because the Borg have beamed onto the ship. Paul? Yeah, Paul, yeah, yeah. The classic, Paul? Paul? He's not answering, lady. He's not answering, lady. So what do we do? We keep looking by ourselves. Paul? Yeah, go Paul? into the yeah, dark Yeah, go space. into the dark, stupid yeah. tube. And what's in the tube? Death. Death is Death in, in the, the tube. tube. Sounds like Paul died in there. Well, let's, let's take a look with the sensors, because it's the 24th century. No, no, no. We no, have no, to no, go no. in and look ourselves. Do you have a flashlight I could borrow? I'm going to go in there. I'm going to go in and check there. Yeah. Wow, yeah. And so- then and then Jean-Luc hears her scream of death on the on the telepathically, planet. absolutely. Well, he doesn't hear the scream. He hears something. He gets they the same. They imply hearing. that he hears. The he scream hears of her. Death. Yeah. Well, he knows because it this... echoes when he when you cut to him. To me, you know, this this Voldemort connection going on between him and the Borg just always to me implies emotion on the part of the Borg. The Borg were particularly like excited, you know, like mm. killing these two ensigns in the dark. You know, they're playing. Do you think they get fancy. excited when they kill? I think the collective does. I'm not oh. talking about drones, but I mean the Borg is an well, entity. You know? Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. like the collective death you know. that the drones inflict excites. Yeah, them well, as they're a down. Collective. You know, because they're they're con- huh. they're conquerors. They were a species at one point. They were a flesh and blood species which had a will to power. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's still being expressed. Yeah, well, Data lays it out later in the thing. It's like, the Borg do not evolve, the Borg conquer. That's what you do. Mm. If they were a perfect species that was completely dispassionate, why not just continue to exist in perpetuity? Yeah, instead of attempting to conquer the entire galaxy. Precisely. So then, yeah, I mean, this just brings up a lot of questions about whether computers have emotion or whether they would naturally develop them or whether we're projecting as like a way of interpreting. I mean, we see the emotions on the faces of the two ensigns who were so quickly dispatched and we can't only imagine an emotional response yeah. from the enemy. Yeah. But maybe, you know, maybe it's not. But yeah. Maybm- maybe the motivations exist without the emotional. It's possible. Yes. Like, that it's just ties. a, just a, you know, because they just, they need more troops. That's what yeah. they're doing. Very true. But John Luke senses something's wrong, calls, asks what's going on. They say, oh, nothing. We're just having some problems the environmental controls and lay out the exact environment and Picard goes fuck and the environment is what it currently is, is in Montreal today, today in Montreal, as we oh are my God. Yeah, currently in Montreal it is a Borg ship outside yeah. because it the is Borg hot ship like a Borg ship 39.3 degrees and it outside and it is with sweaty the as a ball sack yeah. described hum- as unlivable conditions yeah you know. and the yeah. humidity is 70 yeah. the humidity yeah. is 75% mm-hmm. and currently in Montreal it's about with humidity 45 degrees. Yeah. So, in fact, it is worse outside you know actually going than on. a Borg ship. We're ignoring the reality, which is that this the is Borg not a coincidence and the, okay. the Borg are Borg currently are... Oh, infesting okay. Montreal. Where would, they, they... where would they attack first, do you think? I, I believe if I, was a, if, I, well, if I was a Borg... Well, hold on. I mean, if I was attacking the Earth, yes. I would probably attack something like, like you know, tri-state area, Shanghai. But if I was attacking Montreal, if I was attacking Montreal, the very first place I would go would be a small place in Point Claire on Donaghany Street that crosses St. John's Boulevard, 
right? Now, there you'll find a little plaza in which, uh, you know, called the Point Claire Plaza. <laughs> the uh-huh. Point now, the Point Claire Plaza has, is home to all sorts of really excellent, uh, you know, little businesses. Blue Nose, you know, like yeah. an antique, you know, a, a trading card shop bunch and stuff, stuff like that. Bunch of stuff. All sorts of good stuff. The thing is, everybody in the Point Claire Plaza moves precisely like a Borg drone. Uh, because they, they're all from the retirement home that's right beside it. And they're all the people who are old and are starting to lose it a bit to kill time. They literally just release them into the Point Claire Plaza. Oh, but people copy the gate. You know, anybody who arrives there, you sort of you see the there's a music going on at a low tempo. And you just kind of shuffle, naturally speaking. Even so if you, why would they attack the shufflers? Well, the reason they would do it is because they would no one would notice initially. You could oh. easily create, you know, 50 to 100 Borg drones so without if, anyone noticing anything in the Point Care Plaza. If you wanted to release a zombie plague on Montreal, you that's where you would do it there. If, if your goal was to hide the consequences yeah. of the plague, absolutely. Well, you wanna, you'd want to hide it long enough to... to Critical to mass. Lo- yeah. yeah, totally. Huh. So, Mr. Do you think that the Borg plan out their attacks that way? No, Ooh, I don't know. I mean, no, I don't think they care about. It's more of an animorphs kind of style, you know. They're they're a little bit more direct. Yeah, infiltration. No, the Borg no are much more direct. Yeah. No, you know, a zombie Rick could still look like a. Per- it's hard to hide a Borg drone. You know, they still look like a. Borg I think drone. they'd make it through the Point Claire Plaza. Just, just saying. Yeah. Anyway. So our hero, Mister Picard, and Data beam back to the ship, and I think, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to leave it there for part one of our two part. And in second so, part, we Picard's will... love interest. In fact, I mean, there's lots of stuff. In there's the lots of stuff yeah. to go in part two, yeah. and the BDSM relationship between you... Data and the Borg Queen, Obviously. and then some other. Yeah, there, I mean, there's a lot. Yeah. the second half is juicy. Let's just yeah. The, we're, this is just this a warm up. Preamble, and this now we're going to get a little bit of foreplay. And if you come back, folks, we we're, will. We're going to we will... get into the main event. We will Thank help you reach. We will help you reach the climax and so we'll see you in part two thanks for stopping by hey connor hey alexa remember that website hot or not vaguely yes yeah wow that's do you do do remember the promise the the not the promise the premise the premise (laughs) yeah it's you put the, the you put the pictures up and people would vote whether you were hot or not would they rate you they would rate you they would rate you they would rate you there yeah. would be rating there was a rating there was a rating system, system. Involved. there was a rating yeah. system yep, 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 you yep. know what else can what? be rated what podcasts no i shit. know mind blowing mind blown so you mean people could rate our podcast people could rate us <gasps> they should do that <laughs> folks go rate us you should go rate us you can rate us on wherever you're getting us uh whenever you're getting this podcast but also on Apple Podcasts. Yep, you, that will help us out. You can't rate us on Hot or Not, but you, you can rate us on Apple Podcasts. I mean, if that, I mean, I don't even know if that exists I anymore. I don't think it I don't exists think it anymore. Exists. I hope it doesn't. That's not no. a great premise. No. No, but you can definitely rate us on Apple Podcasts. Also, if you feel like you have a wonderful little rating system of your own, yep. feel free to send it to us. Yep. Like on a scale of um, Kirk to Picard. Ooh, that's going to offend a lot of people. The Kirk is the lowest. You, you could don't know which go. one is. It, it doesn't oh, have to be we low. All, or... <laughs> we all know perfectly well. <laughs> it doesn't have to be low or high. It could just be different kinds of ends to that spectrum. There doesn't have to be a high and a low to a spectrum. It's just two different ideas. <laughs> I give that save a three out of five. <laughs> three out of five. What? That's a rating. <laughs> That's a rating. But go rate us, folks. Yes, please do. Check us out on social media. Grab us by the Twitter handle. At Boldly Boinking. This has been a Two Finger Guns Club production. Pew pew!